0: And that for Jesus and the disciples, this was a pivotal moment. Pivotal. It was, a, it was where everything changed. And it's where Jesus summed up three and a half years of teaching and discipleship. And it's where Jesus launched them. And, and they didn't get it. They didn't. Get, I'm not saying they got it, because they really messed up. The, the crucifixion messed them up, right? But they finally got it together on Pentecost. But this was a transformative moment that, 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 that changed the church. So this is very important. I want you to get this. You see them. By the way, why are they all sitting on one side of the table? Isn't that weird? I figured it out. They were getting a selfie. That's, that's what that is. All right. So let's go into the John 13 Verse 1, let's read through this very quickly, and you'll know the story. Now, before the feast of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. Can you say amen to that? And supper being ended. Say, ended? The devil having already put it in the heart of Judas, you know, we know about that. Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things in his hand, that he had come from God and was going to God. Rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. Notice all the detail here and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Mm, so unusual. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered, him, what what I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Mm -hmm. Peter said to them, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but my head and my hands, and just give me a nasty plunge. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed has only to wash his feet feet but is completely clean and you are clean but not all of you Judas for he knew who would betray him so he said ye are not all clean getting it so far but when he had washed their feet feet taken his garments and sat down again he said to them do you know what I have done to you this this was a teaching moment he's not just washing feet you call me teacher and Lord And you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's. Don't worry, I'm not going to make you do it for altar call. For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, right? Nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Happy are you if you do them. Joyful are you if you do them. Now, there's some kingdom principles we need to get. Okay, you ready? Ready for this? Number one, we are called to prepare a meal. We are called to prepare a meal for the world around us. Luke 22 talks about this, this preparation before the meal. He sent Peter and John, go prepare the Passover, right? This is the upper room Passover. He said, where do you want us to prepare? Right? And, and he said to them, behold, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house. Which Isn't this weird? Find some guy with a pitcher of water and follow him. And that's Huh? That's why there's only one guy in the whole city doing this. Most of them were women. Then you shall say to the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Isn't this cool? Then he will show you a large furnished upper room there, make ready. So they went and found it just as he said to them, and they prepared the Passover. It was all All taken care of, exactly. When the hour had come, he sat down with the 12. He said, with fervent desire, I have desired. With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So listen, pay attention, details matter. You're going to see a guy with a picture, follow him to that house, get that room ready to go. Listen, how many know we need to listen to the voice of the spirit and let's do it God's way? Amen. Number two, you need to understand whatever God calls you to do, Jesus will provide all that you need. They didn't have to do anything but follow directions. He provided everything they need, and and number three, you don't get to choose the guest list. It wasn't them plus one. Look at the story in, in Luke chapter fourteen. You remember this parable in Luke fourteen, where he says, he says unto them about sending them out and finding a uh, uh, finding uh, 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 you know inviting people to the banquet. Right? Do we have it? Luke fourteen, and he says. Anyway, he says, go out into the highways and byways. He invited all these people, and they all had excuses. How many know we're living in a world of excuses? We always got a reason not to do what God's called us to do. Why do we, why do we think everything else is more important than coming to church? Why is everything else more important than praying? Why, why do we just give God scraps? Well, if I have anything left, if I have any time left, hey, can you help us? Well, if I don't have anything else to do, when did Jesus become last on the list? He sent his servants, for all things are now ready. Let's quickly scroll through this. Uh, They all with one accord began to make excuses. One bought a piece of ground. Uh, I think one one got married. Not not not. You know these aren't bad excuses. Another had five yoke of oxen. He had to test them. You know, you know, you know. You got to take care of the oxes. Still, another said, "I married a wife." So that servant came and reported these things. The master of the house, being angry, said to a servant, "Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind." In other words, bring in everybody that nobody has invited. Let's bring everybody in that nobody else would invite ever. In fact, these people were not even allowed into church. If you got some kind of something wrong with you, you could not come to church in the Old Testament. So these people were not... It's not just that nobody wanted them or liked them. They were religiously excluded from the banquet. But he said, let's bring everybody in. Let's bring... You know, the Holy Spirit said, about people who feel excluded in some way or misplaced somehow. God's saying, I don't care who you are. There's a place at the table for you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what your history is. I don't care what your story is. God said, there's a place at the table I don't care what other people are saying about you. I don't care about those who want to exclude you. You are welcome in the house of my God. Amen. Hallelujah. We don't get to choose the guest list. Well, those people, I don't know. You know, we never say they're not welcome. We just make them feel unwelcome. Come on now. Churches are really good at this. We never say you're not welcome here, but we'll just ignore you enough till you leave. Come on. If listen, if you're going to love people, you have to be intentional about it. Every place I go, people say, we're the friendliest place in town. Yeah, to each other. Not so much with strangers. Oh, I can preach here an hour. Number two. Notice Jesus says that he greatly desires to dine with us. You know, we don't get into the psyche or the emotion of Jesus very much. We, we wonder what he was like sometimes. Um, 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 and, and we know he wept. He wept at Lazarus's funeral. He wept over Jerusalem. But here he says, I've really, be, I've really been wanting to do this. i really been wanting. He fervently desired to eat this meal with them. Wow, what's going on here? I, I really want to eat with you. And you know what? He still wants to dine with us. He fervently desires your presence with him. Quit acting like, oh, I don't think he, no, no. He loves you. He's drawing you in. Wow. This, this, this was, this was a, a turning point. But but number three, I want you to get this. Here's what he's saying. Here's what he's saying real quick. He's saying, don't eat and run. It wasn't just about the meal. He did the whole Passover thing. They've been doing that for thousands of years. Everything was said. They, They did the Passover just like Moses told them to do the Passover. And then he said, oh, wait a minute. This isn't just about the Passover. This is about the kingdom. And let me demonstrate what the kingdom is like. We talk about church, but you know what? The kingdom's more important than church. We need to do things for the kingdom, not just for our church. Don't eat and run. Wow. So, what did he do? The Bible says he disrobed and wrapped himself in a towel. And he's telling us, whatever I'm calling you to do, you're going to have to uncover before I cover. He's telling us that you may have to strip some things off if you're going to be effective in the kingdom. Oh, church. He took off In order to put on, in other words, to get where you are going, you will have to take off some things. Let me say it in other words, you can't just put the new over the old. Oh, I'm a Christian now, but we look under the Christian and you still got the old devil clothes on. You still, yeah, I, and you know, I'm not talking about real clothes now. I'm talking about, you know, you, you can't just listen. This Christian thing is not about making a minor adjustment to your life, it's not about adding something to what you already have. It is discarding your old life and putting on the new life. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And we got too many people today that are, that they've got it on, but they never took it off. Wow. Is this okay? You can't put this on over that. So what is this thing that we're taking off and what is this thing that we're putting on? A, I, I like what uh, Mike um, Mike Piazza said this. What a great quote. He says, we need to take off the bib and put on the apron. Isn't that good? I had to give him credit for that because that's too good to steal. He said, we got to take off the bib and put on the apron. That's so good. And so I got my, uh, my dummies here. There's a bib on one beautiful dress and there's an apron on the other i think the church today is all about the bib and i hear people say things like well they just, i just didn't feel fed but we don't hear that too often around here if you're not being fed in this church you have an eating disorder Hello? Something something ain't right with you. <laughs> we, but you know what I learned early in my pastor When people say, I'm just not being fed, what they really mean is, I didn't get my way. Now, I know you go to some churches and you really don't get fed. I get it. And I know people, you know, God will send people and move people around in the kingdom. I, you know, I understand all that. I'm fine all that. But, 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 but some people, if, if they're just not being fed all the time, we'll just go somewhere where they'll feed me. I, all I, is, is maturity all just about getting fed? Is that it? We just come to church with our bib and say, come on, preacher. What's on the menu today? And it better be good, because I know the church down the street, you've served liver today, I'm gone tomorrow. <laughs> you better serve it upright, or I'm out of here. I'm looking for the fried chicken. Mm-hmm. I better quit preaching this at 1230, amen. <laughs> There's a big difference between the dining room and the kitchen in a restaurant okay one of my first jobs was i got to wash dishes at this fancy restaurant now listen how many were raised in a time where we didn't go to restaurants anybody oh a lot yeah come on boomers i mean i i, I remember when when dairy queen came to our town I, I remember the first McDonald's were like, Duh. my parents didn't take us to restaurants. There were no chains. There's just little mom and pop shops, but we never, we never, we, I, I remember once or twice going to a restaurant, we're just like. So my first job was in a restaurant. We had, believe me, my parents, to the day they died, never ate there. They were a mile away, but they never went. It was called David's. We'd driven by there. You remember that place between my hometown and the big town of St. Cloud, Minnesota? Minnesota. And I got hired. And, of course, you don't come in the front door when you get hired at a restaurant. You come in the back door. How many know there's a difference between eating in the restaurant and working in the kitchen. So so I've got to warn you, when you're ready, this is why people drop out of doing things for the Lord because they think working for the Lord is like eating in the restaurant. My job was to clean those nasty plates. To this day, when I eat, I'm like, I got to eat all this food. I, I can't bear the thought of some poor kid back there scraping. I remember one day after work, after everyone had gone uh, in the restaurant. The restaurant was closed, and we were cleaning up. And I thought, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to go look. And I walked out of the kitchen into the restaurant. And I'm like, this is a whole different world out here. How many know the lighting is different? It's so moody, got that mood set in there. Yeah, there's a mood in the kitchen too. Get your butt to work. That's the mood. It's nice and quiet in the restaurant. Out in the kitchen, it's like, ah, three burgers on the left. It's clean in the restaurant. It's nasty in the kitchen. Come on, come on, church. You got beautiful tablecloths. You got nasty tables. You got people waiting on you. You got people wanting to fire you. There's pressure. It's hot back there. It's nasty back there. It's dirty. If you ever visited a restaurant's kitchen, you would probably never eat there again. There's a whole different world there. And yet, we Christians feel like coming to church is just a restaurant experience. I'm just there. I got my bib. I'm here to be served. And then Jesus comes along and upsets the apple cart. And he said, I didn't call you to the kitchen, I mean, to the restaurant. I called you to the kitchen. I know that doesn't go over in this day and age. We you know, we actually think spiritual maturity is about how much we eat and the more we know, the more mature we are. I've sat under professors who knew a lot weren't even saved. Jesus said it's time to get out of the dining room. Now, I'm not against the dining room. How many know there's listen, when you let me off on a Sunday, guess where I'm at? I'm in a restaurant somewhere. I I feel, listen, being in the kitchen describes if you're involved, if you're, if you're in the, in the, all these people that were standing up here, we all understand what it is to be in the ministry, to be in the ministry is to be in the kitchen. And it's, and it's hot and it's hard and it's difficult. And we, we would rather just, you know, wipe our brow and come out and go sit at the table and put the bib back on. And we need the bib and we need to be fed. I'm not saying you don't, but if you think The whole Christian experience is just how many wonderful meals can I get? I think you've missed the last supper message. And the last supper message is Jesus said, I'm Lord, I'm teacher, but I'm here to serve. And I'm going to take off the restaurant clothes and I'm going to put on an apron and I'm going to serve. Not a popular message, but it is the message of the kingdom. And we don't just serve each other. We are serving the world. That's why Jesus said, I didn't come to judge. These people say that, and you say, he's just soft. He's just easy. Love thing. Oh, my God. It's the message of the kingdom. We're not here to point fingers. We're not here to judge. We're not here to make people feel bad. Amen. Oh, I've got a message. I'm I'm dying to preach it on the kindness of God. Oh, it's a it's gonna be a powerful thing. Listen, it's the it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. And we're the hands, we're the feet. Next week, we've got these, I put this up because we've got these beautiful, beautiful towels that uh, Sister Wani uh, Martin made, spent like 40 hours on these, making these beautiful towels, and everyone, everyone that's involved in ministry, maybe you weren't today, but you checked a box, someone's going to call you this week, and we're going to take you out of the restaurant and put you in the kitchen. And we're going to give you this beautiful towel and you'll be able to do whatever you want with it. But it's just a constant reminder that I'm not here just to be fed. I am here to serve. We talk about the milk of the word, the bread, the meat. We say, well, I want to get to the meat. I want the deep things of God. What good are the deep things of God if you never get out of the restaurant and put those things to work? The 80-20 rule is true in 80% of all churches, 80% of all churches. Only 20% of the people do 80% of the work. In a lot of churches, not true here in either case, 80% of the money is given by 20% of the church. I'm so glad we're in a church where over 60%, not 20, 60% are involved in the ministry. But you know I'm not going to be satisfied till we get everybody out of the restaurant. We say, who are you going to serve? We're going to go get the halt and the maim and the lame and the... We're going to go get all those people that never felt comfortable in a restaurant. We're going to go, go get all those people that never had enough money to come to the restaurant. We're going to get all those people who never were dressed. And Jesus said, I'll even dress them. I'll give them a garment to come. Amen. Uh, God's wanting to invite people that no one else wants. I'm okay with that. Listen, we talk about what is maturity. Watch this quote. I, f- I forget. I, I think Bill Johnson said this, but I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know where I heard it. But it said, deeper maturity leads to deeper responsibility. It's not more knowledge leads to more maturity. It's more maturity leads to more responsibility. I can't get an amen, Lord. I can't get an amen. Oh, I want to get into the deep things of God. Well, then take your, take, take your bib off. Roll up your sleeves, wash somebody's feet. I I can't. Th- well, I guess I can't think of something. It some might be worse than that, but that, especially back then when people just wore sandals, on streets covered with the remains of the day. And that was a nasty job, and that was not the job. In fact, that job should have been done when they came in. Somebody wasn't doing their job when the meal started. That was not the job of the head of the house. That was the job. That was the nasty job that you paid your servant to do. That's why Peter said, you ain't ain't watching my feet. And by the way, there's a whole theological meaning behind that. I don't, I'm not That's another whole sermon we can get into. That, well, what does washing feet mean? And why did Jesus say you're clean except your feet? And let, let, let me just say, I don't, I don't care how holy and sanctified you are. Your feet, the part of you that touches the earth, always needs washing. And every night you ought to wash your feet. But the Bible says we ought to wash one another's feet preach it but so what 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 happens if I wash someone else's feet well you know what if you're washing someone else's feet you can't help but wash your own hands there's some power in washing feet there's some power in it but deeper maturity leads to deeper responsibility Again, let me emphasize, I'm not against being in the restaurant. I need those moments. We all need to be served. We all need those times. But if you've spent your entire Christian, your entire Christian life sitting at the restaurant being served, it's time. You know what? I think everybody ought to, everyone ought to spend at least a day or two working in a kitchen in a restaurant. It will change the way you look at it. People get up back there into the into the kitchen and they say, Oh, hey, there's too much work back there. Oh, swim, oh, it's hard, and you know, people are different back there. Yeah, we're under a lot of pressure. <laughs> we're really working. Uh, I say, just, I just don't want to come to church if I have to do anything. I got burnt so many. Yeah, yeah, there's hot stoves in there. <laughs> You're going to get burnt in the kitchen. You're going to get wore out in the kitchen. I know I'm not making my, or my case very good. You may slip. You may get cut. You have to deal with a lot of junk in the kitchen. I... I agree. But from someone who's been in the kitchen for almost 50 years now, it's great to see satisfied customers. It's great to know that you bless someone. It's great to know you put something on their table that could change their lives. Because we're not just feeding them. We're seeing lives changed by the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm looking at a room full of people whose lives have been changed because somebody was willing to wash their feet and work in the kitchen. (sighs) Would you stand? How many love the anointing? Listen, the anointing falls when we serve, not when we eat. Let me say that again. The anointing falls when you're serving, not when you're receiving. The anointing falls. You say, I never felt the anointing. Maybe you've never done anything. Why would God anoint you just to eat? You do that well enough on your own. We all know how to eat. This church is a literal buffet. Y'all, you ever watch some of these people at buffets? It's sinful. It. Oh, there's a whole comedy routine I could do on buffets right now, but I won't. I'm here to tell you, it's okay. You've got to feed. You've got to feast. There's nothing wrong with that. But you also need to take off the bib and put on the apron. Listen, God's about to change this church radically. God's about to do something powerful, but He's not going to do it with everyone just sitting there receiving. We're going to have to go from 60% to 80, 90%. We're going to have to get to the place where there's always going to be somebody. They're not ready to work. They're not ready to go into the field. They're not ready to go into the kitchen. They need to be helped. They need to be reinforced. They need to be fed. They need to be lifted up. They need to be prayed for. They need to be healed. They need to be made whole. We understand that. We're going to seat them at God's table, and they're going to feast with him forever. Hallelujah. But somebody needs to cook the meal. Somebody needs to serve it hot. And somebody needs to clean it up when it's done. Woo! That was my job, clean it up. My, my, My mom had a very, very narrow sense of what food is. You know, we were German meat and potatoes. When I got in that restaurant, I saw food on plates I never knew existed in my life. I said, what is this? What is this? I remember I got got, got some little cuts on my fingers. (laughs) And I had to scrape these salad bowls with Thousand Island. Never heard of Thousand Island dressing. It would sting those cuts. I have never eaten Thousand Island dressing since that day in my life. Give me ranch any day. Russian. Russian. Yeah, some of this stuff's going to sting a little bit. And I guarantee when you get in the kitchen, you'll see things you've never seen before. When you get in the kitchen, sometimes... You see people that don't act the way they should act.